Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Let's go back to 2011. Look at the World Cup with Squidge. Let's go back. Oh, baby, let's go back with Squidge. And welcome eventually to the knockout of the Squid Rugby World Cup retrospective podcast, a podcast that took 40 games to get used to the name of the podcast, but then couldn't remember the word games. So it's been thrown off again already. Was it really <laughs> worth it? it? It wasn't. I've lost most of the dictionary's worth of words that are in my head. Uh, I now only remember up to B. Um, which is going to make the whole thing very difficult, uh, not least because I've got to commit to that now and not use any words beginning in the letter C. Hugh Bennett is the only uh, which player playing for really, Wales. Using no words beginning letter C is really difficult considering who our guest is. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm Robbie or Squidge or whatever you want to call me, uh, alongside I'm, as ever. I'm Will Owen. But then I am very excited to welcome uh, the one and only Mr. Chris Corcoran. How are you doing? I'm very good. Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me on the show. And you've already blown your little your own game by using two C's in, in that one sentence. Yeah. And and then there's extras and the surname. It's really, really difficult. Um, yeah. I'm just gonna have to abandon that, I think. I'm gonna have to abandon what, what's that. What's the bit. thinking behind what's the thinking behind that? Um, there wasn't one. Um I got <laughs> I got carried away, I think. We have a, a well-practiced comedian in the room now, so <laughs> yeah. we have to kind of up our game a little bit. <laughs> For anyone unfamiliar, uh, I want to mention that I've said this to to Chris sort of, you know, off air before we start recording and so on, that you did, you know, back, well, it's probably better part of, you know, probably 10-ish years ago now. 10 years, yeah. Yeah. Um, a number of programmes for BBC Wales, uh, sort of pre-Six Nations and around the Six Nations. Yeah. Um, on... Oh, you know, I think one of them was Wales and the other five nations, and the other one being just Corky Six Nations. That's right. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how would you how would you describe them? They were they were having fun from a fan's perspective. Uh, that's it. Having fun <laughs> from a fan's perspective. So it was using rugby and getting involved in it and meeting players and going places and sort of doing a little bit of co- you know uh, commenting on it but we we were it was really very much from the fans perspective and how it felt mm. um but like having the whole of the six nations as your playground so we were able to just go and have fun with it so it wasn't just um you know filming the fans experience we were able to do um really fun things like recreating the italian job in Italy, which is probably my favourite thing I ever did uh, in my short telly career, was to recreate the Italian job when we were out in Italy with getting in touch with the Mini Appreciation Society of Rome. Arranged for them to, on the day, send three 
sport minis, like of which they had in the Italian job. Yeah. We met them for the first time on the day. And then back in the day, they had, it was kind of that, it was sort of that year GoPro cameras had been a thing for the first time. Mm-hmm. And so we had three GoPro cameras uh, that we were just going to, oh no, maybe more, maybe like th- three three to six GoPro cameras mm-hmm. that the producer of the show, Philip, stuck on the minis uh, and then had we were then in a different car, mm-hmm. and then he had a like a stick with a with a GoPro that he stuck on the end of it. So we drove around the Coliseum, winging it all, just getting shots of these minis kind of coming in and out of formation. And all he done is just said, you know, can you just follow us around and then sometimes pull out and then sometimes pull back in, and then uh, and then he we we cut it. Or I say we Philip cut it then. Uh, when we got back to the studio in in and created the most cinematic amazing clip using these uh minis from that uh, uh, a bunch of italian guys who sort of barely spoke english it was so cool it was <laughs> such a laugh it did look well beyond bbc wales's budget yeah but that this is the thing um it i can assure you it wasn't it was well <laughs> <laughs> on the their budget that what we got paid was very consistent with their budget but um but what what philip did he he was mm. he just was so brilliant he had such a brilliant vision for um how to do stuff in a fun way and was very very imaginative and things like that um he was you know you're getting cinematic shots but he's mm. just using the technology that, that's available that's quite new other yeah. shots as well we had, we had like drive past shots and it was only me and him doing it. So, like, you know, when I wasn't kind of in front of camera, I was there holding cameras and stuff and, and taking photos and minis and things. And yeah, it was um it was loads and loads of fun. And then mm. we even we even mocked up there's a bit in the Italian job where the 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 minis drive down the steps, mm. just drive down the steps of um oh, I don't know what monument it would have been, but we sort of mocked it up. So we built this little wooden thing and we had a tonka toy car and then just dropped it down the steps like that and then and we must have done it about 30 or 40 times because we couldn't drop wow. it down without it like you know rolling over itself yeah, yeah. and crashing off into the floor <laughs> and eventually there was one shot that i just managed to hold it right and he went dig 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 down the steps and then the whole sequence was cut together um it was it was just a great laugh to be able to do that sort of thing uh so you're doing a bit more than the fans' perspective. You're playing mm. with what it was like um, as the fans' experience, you know, so yeah. going over there and, 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 you know, meeting people, but then having that kind of imaginative fun with it. You know, there's you, something else I've just remembered about that I have a lot to thank you for because I've actually been stealing one of your jokes for the last sort of five years. All right, so... I've only got about four. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, when you did the thing where you had Andrew Cotter and Jiffy commentating on a different kind of minis, where it was minis rugby. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I've, oh, yeah. I've been coaching minis for the last sort of four or five years, or now juniors, it was minis at the time. And yeah. the amount of times I wasn't sure if something was a try was when I was completely out of my depth refing, and I would just go, right, I'm sending that to the tmo and that would be the punchline <laughs> and I, I, the amount of times i just thought right I, i'm gonna have a scapegoat for not knowing how to referee by just stealing one of corky's jokes <laughs> well you're most welcome you're most welcome i i hope it worked for you as as uh as well as it did for them commentating over that bit wasn't that a lovely bit as well that was i love that it's a I great that. example because the kids 
that that was that was a one take wonder as well. That really? the kids sort of did did a ran a move, and then if I remember it rightly, he, he, the the kid that scored dived in the corner. Yeah, in that sort of dramatic way, like uh, Louis Rees-Samet did fairly recently in the in the Six Nations. The ages one, just about line up, don't they? <laughs> that kid might have been Louis Rees-Samet. It might it might well have been him. Um, and then again, yeah, Andrew Cotton and Jiffy doing the uh, the commentary over it. Just brilliant sports, just great great <laughs> sports to play to play ball with it. And the land and subsequently, I've met the Landaff coach once, and he just said it would it had gone down so well. Like the kids mm. were like beside themselves with being so chuffed that you know it was the real commentators commentating yeah, yeah. on their own try. Yeah, in the way you imagine, you know, when you're playing as a kid. And in yeah. your head, you've got a little yeah, bit of yeah. you going like, you know, Eddie Butler's doing the voiceover. Yeah, exactly. Or or or, or you do your own commentary. Don't yeah. You? Oh, remember yeah. that playing football, you know, <laughs> yeah. you're talking yourself through uh, uh, defences and scoring goals. Yeah, that's right. Every I now and again, when playing like rugby challenge or something, I do just like in my head, you know, I'm... I'm getting a bit carried away in commentary over the top of, you know, whoever's doing it in the game. We yeah. had it Sorry. when we were kids, didn't we? That like one of us would be playing because we only have one controller and the other one would be commentating. <laughs> so, <laughs> which just shows what a tragic upbringing that, yeah, that was. That's the best way I think. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was... Well, if you, if you want to share more about your si- sibling rivalry and upbringing, guys, then please feel free. Um, we don't have to leave it in the podcast. We could just talk about it <laughs> privately. And then, you know, if you just want to share, especially with Squidge getting a bit, you know, a bit kind of like famous now, Will, as well. And kind yeah. of, you know, yeah. Oh. Let's imagine it. Let's get awkward. Yeah, I am, I am pretending to tolerate him for the purpose of this podcast. <laughs> but, and even then, you're not doing a very good job. No, I am. <laughs> look, I'm doing my best. I can only go so far. I can only turn this dial up so far. Speaking of uh, this podcast, yes. should we uh, start thinking about... So we're talking about the Rugby World Cup of 2011. And of course, Corky, this was around the time you were sort of involved in all of this television stuff. So what's your general memory of this World Cup? Well, um, being very, very excited and very, very confident in mm. Wales doing very, very well. That that was my... Because I, I was doing... I did a radio series called... Um, can Wales win the World Cup? Imaginative mm. title, and we did it for <laughs> um, for Radio Wales, and I think they sort of commissioned it as a fun to have, you yeah, know. Yeah. But never really. I don't think people really believe. Maybe certainly amongst the radio fraternity, a bit. I and, and generally, maybe I don't think people really believe that Wales were going to do so well, mm. and. But I had a really good feeling, and so we did this series, and gradually it. So they were putting out one episode a week, and it and it corresponded obviously with then Wales building throughout mm. the World Cup, like the amazing first game where we could have and arguably should have beaten South Africa, and then each week kind of building and doing better and better. And at one step, it, it might have been going into this quarterfinal or it might have been, no, it was going into this, the semifinal. The editor of the station came up to me and said, um, do you know what? I was saying to someone the other day, actually, I wonder if Corky's right. I think Wales <laughs> might have a chance of actually winning this because I think the belief went mm. from not really seeing them having much chance 
but then by the semi-final actually really feeling like well they they've got as good a chance as anyone to win this world cup yeah um and i think and, and that was and i'm not quite sure why people well no i think what it was it was that there was a very young team mm. and so i think i think probably people in the know knew that they were really good and, and had a chance mm. but i think i don't think many people felt that but there were there were a number of things that stood out for me for this Wales do you want me to do, talk about that the, the Wales team at this, at this yeah, point go or do you want yeah, to yeah. Good segue. Want, yeah are you sure okay so there were a number of things about this Wales team that really stood out for me one was that they were also young yeah so yeah. they were so young and they a bit like that kind of like just give me the ball and play you know that kind of mm. they yeah. were just uh they're not that experienced and loving life and enthusiastic and, and that sort of like joy of youth thing. And the other thing was they were really professional. Yeah. So I just, you know, do you remember after it might've been the quarterfinal game that we're, uh, we're going to talk about that afterwards, Sam Warburton was interviewed and they said, you know, oh, are you going to go and celebrate now? And, and, and he said, yeah, well, you know, I might go back to the room with Dan and have some chocolate. <laughs> yeah yeah and he just thought these guys have got it down they're there yeah. to win this thing yeah. they, this is what you know their focus was all there so i think you had a young team you had a really professional team sam warburton is was the first time i saw him play mm. for glamorgan wanderers mm, wow. against cardiff at the arms park he was like a player who was playing a different game. He must have. Mm. He must have been really young. He must. Have, I, I can't remember how old he was, but it must have been the yeah. season or so before he kind of got in the Welsh setup. And the friend who I was watching it with, I, we just said that he's something different. He he is special. So you had him as leader, mm. as, as skip of the team, and then of course you had a coaching team that was so brilliant i mean you know the the balance of sean edwards and gatlin and neil jenkins you know uh, uh, that was just like uber experience so it felt like there was this perfect balance of kind of uh, age experience and ability and then also fitness so they they were massive on the fitness it was the whole cryo chamber thing wasn't it mm. they were all kind of going off and, and training all uber hard and, and getting in cryo chambers and wearing bobble hats and freezing themselves to death for rugby and that so they were clearly massively fit as well so i just felt that they had a really good chance and was unusually confident about them going into the whole tournament yeah, yeah. It's yeah. probably a good segue onto the, the Welsh team for this game, I suppose. So, okay. As you mentioned before, Lydia Warburton Falatel, that back row, is probably the talk of the tournament for Wales. Yes. And uh, Priestland as well on exceptional form at 10 and Harper having yeah. start, first start at 15. There's something in what you're saying about Sam Warburton and being so professional in that he lived for that. You know, I think his he would have enjoyed the thought of going back and preparing for the next game more than he would have actually going out and celebrating, you know, Absolutely. Like he'd have had a better time in the thought of I've got a chance to win the world cup here. You know, yeah, like there definitely. was a, clearly that's what he dreamt of doing. There was, he wasn't in it for the good, you know, and you, you know, read his autobiography, you look at him, the stuff he said about the lions and so on. 
And that was his dream was to get battered for 80 minutes, come off the field and be looking forward to doing it again at a higher intensity yeah. the next week. Yeah. And, and do you think all of them? I mean, I think that all of that young generation were all the same. I yeah, mean, yeah. you know, Lydia, Salupe Falatau, they, they were all of that mindset. And that probably was such a strength then, because I suppose, you know, back, back, in, back in the past, if you would have sort of youngsters coming in, then there's a culture set. But if you've suddenly got a whole load of young players coming in of the same mm. mindset, then you're in, you're in business then because you've got a yeah. real chance to have everyone paddling the same canoe, the same mentality. And it's yeah. a really bold thing to do, to throw them all in together. But clearly, yes. you know, like after that Barbarians game before this World Cup where Warburton was captain for the first time and Falatel won his first cap and yeah. so on. And there was right. clearly this element of, oh, that worked. You know, like, let's yeah. stick with that. They tried against England. It worked there. They won. And then just kept rolling on. They kept growing and growing and growing from there. Yeah, that's right. Because Priestland, because he had come on at the last minute, hadn't he, against England yeah. in the warm-up Yeah, he game. was due to play fullback, And then Stephen Jones rolled his ankle and he started the 10 instead. And Will, did you say that Halfpenny, was it one of his earliest starts? Yeah, so this... he'd played lots of games on the wing and he'd come on at fullback a couple of times or moved there later oh, in games. Okay. But this is his first start at fullback, which is bold wow. in a quarter-final. Yeah. Was it? It was yeah. his yeah, first yeah. start at fullback, Which is... One of the, again, that's a really bold thing to do, but at the time it felt, I'm wow. talking about it as the obvious thing to do to put him in. Yeah. I think because the other yeah. option was Lee Burney was out of form. Or James We'd had an argument in the week back. about this. Had we? Uh, Robbie, yeah. I remember you were saying, you were telling me Halfpenny was the man for fullback, and I was thinking, he's not started there before. James Hook, put, put James Hook mm. there, he can kick the goals and everything. And yeah. boy, were you right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got a long term yeah. bet in there. Yeah. Isn't it funny? Because when you watch this game back, it's like, yeah, well, of course he's playing fullback. Yeah, you know, from retrospect, look, looking back after having seen the career that he's had, it's like, well, yeah, yeah. of course. And interestingly, of course, Priestland, it, it wasn't until about three quarters of the way through the game, it dawned on me that Halfpenny was, you know, he kicked one fifty meter kick, mm, yeah, and then Priestland kicked the rest of the goal, so he wasn't like the main, yeah, yeah. kicker yet. He just took over in, and this is a game I always, I was associate with you because there's a clip on YouTube of you reacting to watching it of the Island game in the following Six Nations. Oh, yeah. Which was the first time they gave the kick into Halfpenny properly in the second half there. Mm, Priestland oh, missed between the post, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's just one of those moments of, like, everything lining up for a second. Of like, <laughs> oh, that's the game. That, oh, da, 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 da. Yeah. <laughs> um, other point on the, the thing of looking through that team and going, there's a number of those players who are still in the Wales team now. Uh, yeah. But most of them are the likes of, you know, Lee Halfpenny, Jonathan Davis... George North. Yeah, those George North, yeah. yeah. Players there who at the time were talked about as promising youngsters. Yes. Um, yeah. The one exception there is, is Alan Wynne-Jones, who was on his second World Cup, already had 50 caps, and is still playing now. Which I think... That's insane. Yeah. No way. That, that's that's how long he's been going. Caps. Yeah. He just hit 50 caps. Like, that's Six Nations beforehand oh i'm gobsmacked that is that's an incredible stat wow it's on his second world cup he's played for 10 years since then near enough last thing i want to touch upon for this welsh team uh is before the match sean fitzpatrick in the pundits box said that shane williams was a controversial selection on the left wing (laughs) (laughs) saying he wasn't in good form Despite the fact he he pretty much single-handedly saved wales the game against samoa when we nearly lost and And also Pulled it out of the bag. He's Shane Williams. He is also Shane Williams. Yeah. Yeah, that's a funny comment because I mean, what what? Because it's all it's about alternatives. Hmm. So who was he thinking would have played instead? Alan Brew. 
<laughs> no, it's he, you know, absolutely rock solid, great, really, really good player, but not the experience. No. So even an no. out of form Shane Williams is going to raise his game. Yeah, playing the game like but that. What a funny comment. Yeah. Do you know what I think that is? I think that might be a key, an old Kiwi player getting a little bit twitchy about what Wales were doing at that World Cup. Mm. And they're all about psychological warfare, aren't they? They're all about getting, you know, like Gatlin's was a renowned, wasn't he, for kind of psychologically getting one up over on his coaches. Mm. Do you not think that that might just be a little bit of Sean Fitzpatrick mm. just trying to plant seeds to try and yeah. put... People, yeah. you know, try and put Wales off because I, I think that they were really genuinely worried, New Zealand, because they, uh, I think, I, I think if Wales had won uh, against France, and I think if the tackle didn't happen, mm. they would have. I think the, a Wales New Zealand final was 50 50. Mm. And I think Wales would have won it. Oh, big I call. Gen- I genuinely think they would have won it because that was the momentum that I had felt had been building. And it, uh, and the reason I say that is because it's not just about Wales playing so brilliantly. Mm. It is that New Zealand were in a home yeah, yeah. World Cup and yeah. were feeling the pressure impossibly. Oh. Yeah, it was and they'd insane. lost Carter as well. And they had lost Carter, and they were down to... And they'd lost... Um, Cruden. Me, Bob, Cruden. And they were down to their... Oh, no, Slade. Like, Sorry, Slade. Yeah, Slade. Slade so and, and Cruden. They, yeah. and, they, and they lost them all, so they Cruden, were eventually yeah. down to their... Yeah, final. Yeah. So they were creaking, and they weren't playing with confidence. And I think that the weight of expectation in their in, in, in a home... World Cup for New Zealand mm. had become too much. And I think a young side playing like boys' own stuff, because mm. they weren't that experienced with that sort of momentum, I think well would have beaten New Zealand Big call. in that final in See, New Zealand. I have always held Wales wouldn't have won that World Cup because I didn't think the team were kind of mentally strong enough. And I think it's the kind of the thing you saw in all of those games against Australia, you know, the following year and then beyond yeah. of them losing in the last five minutes. And I felt like that's what would have happened in a, in a game against New Zealand. Um, yeah, but, but, but Squidge, that was the, those were the following years. And I think it's interesting yeah. that if mm. it, they hadn't had the experience of losing in a semi-final, in other yeah. words, they, their run into this was sort of pure and fresh and, and young and full yeah. of energy. And, and it was, the, it sorry. was like, they learned how to, they learned, they didn't learn how to lose in the, fast, in, in, in the last I, I five minutes. They got in the habit mean, yeah. of, of losing. And then that became a thing that yeah, then yeah. eventually they succeeded in getting over. But at this point, they were just and... there winning games and eating chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> but that was the... So watching this back today, that first 20 minutes is maybe the best 20 minutes where I think other than mm. the last 20 against England in 2019, yeah. uh, the best 20 minutes where I was played under Gatlin for me, I think they were phenomenal. And I was watching that. I kind of went, oh, actually, maybe I've been wrong about this for 10 years. Maybe they, you know, given a crack, they would have done this again. They would have really 
you know, in the way I don't think we've actually mentioned who they play. I was going to say, I was going to say, we the, need to talk about Ireland a little yeah. bit because we've um, slightly alienated well, them here. It's a properly star-studded Irish team. You know, you've got Bo O'Driscoll, Carney, Darcy in the all in the back line. O'Gara oh. selected over Sexton, which was a pretty big call. And again, their back three of Ferris O'Brien and Heaslip was formidable. And no, yeah. I've spoken to a couple of you know Irish friends, listeners, etc. Uh, who've said that this game didn't happen. So maybe <laughs> this no, was just like, that was just where well, it was just played themselves. You know, that's yeah. why it was so easy for them in that first 20 minutes when they were completely on top. They were, oh, they were I... just playing against the chocolate bar. They're just going to get the wrapper open. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can, I emphasize with that because I had no memory of this game. That's really? the interesting right. thing. I did not, I was like, I can't remember what happened in this game. And it was an it was an absolute classic. It was a real belter, and I agree with you. I think, well, like the first three minutes mm. were phenomenal, where they yeah. just scored. You know, they held on the ball for about twenty plus phases, and then uh, they looked so sharp and alert and physically powerful. Scored a try, Bosch straight out the blocks was uh, I- incredible, and. And like you're saying, Will, the island team was, to a man, really experienced. Yeah. I mean, more or less all of them had gone to South Africa in 2009 yeah. on the Lions tour. You know, there was a lot of experience in that team. And you forget, because we're looking back thinking all of these guys for Wales are household names. Well, mm. they weren't, of course. And you just explained how inexperienced they were, like Halfpenny Stein for the first time at, at, at fullback. Yeah. You know, they... Ireland would have been really gutted on, because they'd have been expecting to win that game, surely. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, 14 Lions in that starting team for Ireland. Wow. Like, Is that what it was? Yeah. 13 of them had been Lions already. Uh, one of them then went to go in 2013. Right. Hadn't gone yet. But so Mike 14, Ross was the one Mike who Ross was the only out, player right? yeah. who wasn't a Lion, who was injured yeah. that tour. So, yeah. So it's a... And there's a moment before the game. Uh, Justin Marshall is clearly fairly confident that Ireland are going to win this. Right, um, say. And he, he kind of makes a comment about their scrum is going to be how they're going to get completely on top and how they're going to sh- shut this game down. And it's going right, to be their right. scrum in their back row and how well Healy and Ferris O'Brien, he's slipping and playing. And he kind of, in his head, the the narrative is going to be Wales are good and they've got good backs, but Ireland's forwards aren't going to let them get going. Right. Right. Um, and you get a sense of that slowly eroding over the first 20 minutes. Yeah, it's not the most and, unfair take from Justin Marshall. No. No, and no. you look at what they did to Australia. That was exactly yeah. what happened. Australia yeah. had the best backline in the competition, and they couldn't get anything going because yeah. they were you know, because Ferris. Stephen yeah. Ferris picked yeah. them up and carried them back to their mum's house every time they tried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, as you say, like there's as you alluded to a minute ago, Corky, mm. the, the, that point where Priestland sticks it in the air and Jamie Roberts just comes in from miles away and nicks it off Rob Carney, and yeah. just from there on, Wales look unstoppable. And it is, it's that point where Falatau has a great carry first off and Phillips then feeds it to Halfpenny who gives Shane a lovely bit of a finish in the corner. Um, Shane dives really early and it's a great finish. It's not the best defence from Conor Murray, I will say. he like These days he wouldn't have allowed that try to be scored. But it's, as you say, like but the I, amount of momentum Wales had. I think yes, Wales I mean, would have scored anyway. You know, like even yeah. if Murray had made that tackle on Shane, they would yeah. have scored. They would have kept Agreed. going and going and going until Agreed. they finished yeah, it. Yeah, they had that. They had. And what was interesting, I don't know if you felt the same watching it back, because I think that that whole kind of, you know, the Gatland ball criticism, you could call it, or certainly analysis for many, many years. I think kind of there were times where that's 
the, their style of game of sort of playing around the corner kind of slowed down a bit. But in in this game, it wasn't like they were still kind of playing around the corner, but they were playing. Yeah, it yeah. was such fast tempo, and they were offloading. There was such confidence, and the physicality. Interesting, like you're saying, uh, Squidge, about what was being anticipated about mm. the Irish pack kind of dominating. It didn't happen. Yeah. It just yeah. didn't happen, and that the, the physicality most evident in. The defence, I mean, just the, mm. the defence from m- moment one to the final whistle was relentless, mm. relentless. You know when you sometimes, you know a defence is going well where it looks like the defending team has got more players on the pitch? Yes. Yeah. And it, I just found myself coming back to that sentence as I was watching this game. It just looked like Wales had yeah, more yeah. players. Yeah. There's a moment in the second half in particular where Ireland completely ran out of ideas. And yeah. they kind of play for like eight or nine phases and they're slowly making this. They're doing that thing where they're making and losing the same five yards. That's and then it. they lose all shape and structure. And yeah. they just look like they're in the 22, so they can't kick it away, but they look like they want to, yeah. you know, and they're too far behind to go for a drop goal. And they're kind of, there's a sense of just panic sets in and it just looks like some bloke standing about whilst the blokes in red shirts wait yeah. to death. And that's the them. thing. Anywhere further out from the 22, they had obviously the perfect man to manage that because mm. whenever Ireland looked stagnant, Ronan O'Gara would just sit in the pocket and just p- pump Wales back into the 22. And I yeah. think that he did make a couple of errors and he did get nailed by Sam Warburton. But Ronan Nagara, I think, kicked really well in this mm. game. And it was almost the perfect audition for half pennies the first game at fullback because yeah. it was a really oh. difficult 10 to play against. And There's one incredible kick he hangs around 25 minutes, I think, in mm. sort of second half of the first half, which is a sentence. But it's it's one of those you look at it initially and think, oh, that's gone too far. Then you realise how he's hung it. That yeah. if yeah. Carney takes that ball, he scores. And he's isolated half penny oh, yes. completely. Yeah. Um, and somehow the debutant fullback takes it. Yeah. Because phenomenal. Any other person World making class. their first start of fullback, the first real high ball they've had to take under any pressure, chances are they don't take it as cleanly as half penny does. Yeah. But no, he's just and, so composed. And do you know what? I wrote down as, as one of my little notes hmm. um, half, half penny at his best. And then I wrote he was, but he was still only the fifty meter kicker. It was kind of like the thing <laughs> that I was sort of pointing out. And it's his first game at fifteen. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Like I, I kind of, I hadn't, I hadn't realised that it was his first start at fifteen. Yeah. That's incredible to have had that composure. Yeah, it's incredible. Just it is that word composure. He was just so, and there was it across the whole Welsh team of how composed yeah. Priestland was. And yeah. With you what know, you were the- saying earlier about uh, uh, Irish pack expecting to dominate, of course, after Shane's try, whenever Ireland got penalties, Brian O'Driscoll was just not hesitating, saying, right, we'll go straight to the corner and we're going to physically batter them and we're going to drive them over. Granted, one of those, Dan Lydiate gave away a certain penalty try offence and got away with it. <laughs> but otherwise, like, it was Lydiate and Warburton mainly and North a couple of times too, just putting in huge hits and just making yeah. sure the Irish pack weren't going forward mm. and did not get a foothold. That's so true. And, and, and the times that they did have a little uh the, the island did get on the front foot a little bit they did look really threatening that's the interesting yeah. thing this was a really really good island side yeah so good uh but it shows how amazing the welsh defense was because they just didn't and there was one glorious moment where they ran out of ideas as a result of the welsh defense being so good where they'd held the ball for a number of phases and then Keen healy got the ball and started running sideways mm. towards the touchline 
in some, I, it was it's really odd because that's that's clearly pressure that he just doesn't want to run yeah, into yeah. the Welsh defence again. He runs sideways and then he sort of shuffles the ball and gives it to um, Heaslip. Sean O'Brien. He, yeah, O'Brien. no, Heaslip sure. gives it to Heaslip, and then Heaslip is just carried over the touchline by Warburton. And as he passes the camera, he goes fuck. He sort of just swears like like a, like a car driving past, like a, like an ambulance going past, just like with a coliseum like, in Rome. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> he just swears with frustration because he they just run out of ideas. But that's my favourite thing is that he swears for so long that he starts it when he's on the pitch and he hasn't <laughs> finished by the time he's gone well yeah. past the camera, so he can't hear him anymore. Like he's in <laughs> yeah. the crowd. Somewhere, he is still just taking a seat. Yeah, he, yeah, absolutely. But that that was a you know, if I, I when I watched it back, it's moments mm. like that that you go, yeah, you just you know, you've got the confidence that Wales have got this. Even mm. when there was moments where Ireland were uh, you know threatening, I mean, they came back to ten all, yeah. and the that um, try by Earls was a yeah, it was a crack. It was a really good finish. So I mean, in terms of score. 10 all at that point after 45 minutes that's sketchy but actually mm. i still didn't really feel even what i mean hindsight and all that but yeah, i still yeah. didn't really feel that there was any uh threat it just felt mm. like okay well wales are gonna be all right here just just looking at the evidence that you've got in front of yeah. you yeah it that's felt like a rather than a oh no we're in trouble here yeah you know it was a it was an inconvenience even though yeah. the scores were level against a team who, you know, have a long history of beating Wales and yeah. were favourites going into the game. But it just, even when they started to make some mistakes they did in that kind of last 10 minutes of the first half, they still felt so much like the better team. They just yeah. looked so on top in yeah, virtually frankly, every regard. Ireland had had much better attacks that they hadn't scored off. Like mm. there was, there yeah. was one where Sean O'Brien drove over and Shane mm. held him up. Uh, which was a majestic piece of defence. Absolute, absolute massive try try saver that was. Mm. What a great Huge tackle. Huge play. And he had a couple of great tackles like that, Shane, where he, he really managed to hold people out. But as you said, that, that, that one where Earl scores, there's it's actually not their best passage of play, you know, that they lose the ball backwards a few times. And it's kind of, it's, it's Tommy Bow saves them, doesn't it's it? It's that classic bouncing ball throws the defence off completely yeah. thing, yeah. you know. Uh, so everyone shoots in on Bo and he's able to just flick it away. It's it's a phenomenal, it's a world-class piece of play by Bo that within a split second, he manages to just get the ball somewhere in Earls' direction. Mm. And I think yeah. it's really calculated that he knows how much time Earls is going to have to slide in the corner. And it's a real gamble to go for it. And it really pays off. Yeah. Mm. And it and it is the bouncing ball thing, Squid. You're right. It's that, you know, it's, it's, it's Wales, England, Wembley, 1999. Mm. You know, there's a fumble. There's a fumble, and it's in that fumble that everyone's checked. And so, when there's a, you know, if 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 Wales's defence is as good as it's been in this game, when they're playing against stuff that they're expecting, mm. then bizarrely, it's only when something goes a bit wrong from the island side, and there's a bit of indecision that people are checked, and there's a split second of people not knowing what's going on. And then the ball's wanged out, and then Earls has got a chance to score in the corner. Yeah. So it is, it's funny how that happens, isn't it? Can I just sorry, you mentioning the England Wales '99? Uh, yeah. Can I mention? Just ask a, a question. So there's a bit in one of those 
shows you did where yeah. you track down the guy in the crowd from yeah. uh, one of those game, you know, it's a guy in a Valley Boy, a t-shirt that said Valley Boy on it. That, Jenkins! Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's him. Yeah. And yeah, you yeah. somehow, tra- how the hell did you track that guy <laughs> I don't down? Know. I don't know. It, it was uh, the brilliant producer, Philip Moss. I don't, mm. I don't know. I, I just, well, I sort of do know. He just put the word out amongst BBC Wales types. Yeah. And so, the, it, and then someone knew someone who then knew him. It was one of those ones. Yeah. That's, that's, that's so Wales, isn't it? That's, yeah. You know, if you've got this sort of seven degrees of separation within Wales, it's free. You, you bring that down notably, you know, like, it's not well, like everyone's got a cousin who played Scrumar for the Blues at some point, or something, you know. <laughs> yeah. it's like, it, yes, and we are all uh, Je suis Valley Boy. We are all that, <laughs> we are all that Valley Boy. We are all related to him. It was, it was, yeah, 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 that was, that, that was great. It was, I, I was surprised they tracked him down, but, um, <laughs> It was such an iconic moment, wasn't it? That, yeah. that guy in the T-shirt. It was just like, he's so part of this game. <laughs> the 16th man. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah. Jenkins. You're right. That's what he was, wasn't it? That's what we worked out. He, he said, yeah. <laughs> I think that always stuck with me. You know, I think about that reasonably often. Just of like, how did that happen? Yeah. Uh, you know, like the, um, I managed to before the South Africa Japan game in 2015 where there's the famous shot of the Japanese fan in the crowd who starts just bawling his eyes out, like oh, yeah. just before they score the try. <laughs> yeah. But when they go for the line out, he's just crying and weeping. Uh, and I managed to find like a, I managed to find his name and there's like a Japanese article interviewing him. But like, it's, it's those guys. It's those like individuals. Every now and again, you see a crowd, like a guy in the crowd that really sticks with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's just like, it adds flavor to, 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 you know, six nations of world cups. Absolutely. Well, it's, it's like your video, the, the um, top five alternative uh, mm. moments. It is, it's all about those emotional bits, isn't it? It's mm. all about the bits that matter. And that's why we love it. Of course, yeah, yeah. You know, that's why you love the drama and the jeopardy and all of that, because it touches you and it, and it mm. you know, it, it makes you emotional one way or another. Yeah. It's so much better for the, you know, for the occasions and everyone buying in and like for knowing the players. And as you say, there's something in just like knowing this is a young Welsh team, but still getting a flavour of who these young guys are. Yeah. Um, and having a real sense of, you know, of how quickly Sam Warburton became a household name in Wales. And, you know, by by this point, he was the most famous man in the, you know, in the country. I remember there's a story of Ben Warburton. As well. Yeah. Yeah, like amazing. Ben, ben Warburton and his twin being stopped in the street just constantly during this World Cup, and people saying, "Shouldn't you be in New Zealand?" <laughs> uh, yeah. And Will's point about twenty-three. I mean, you really just—it shows the extent of character and mm. how special he, he is as a player and, and as a character. Because yeah. that's that's amazing. You forget that he was twenty-three. Was mm. that is his? Was he twenty-three when he first? became captain and was he even it was 22 was it the previous year 22 yeah. so I see believe... will carling was the same he was he was 22 i think yeah or, or even a little bit i believe Warburton turned 23 during the tournament yeah see that's extraordinary isn't yeah. it yeah to it's... take on those sort of responsibilities and be that good and and lead a potential tilt at the world cup at the age of 23 mm. what it's... was i doing at the age of 23 <laughs> i just finished you know, I, i'd taken a i'd taken a year out from university and I was no I'd finished university mm. I was having a gap year between 
university and doing my PGC teaching and I was working in a bank. <laughs> nice. Doing doing mergers. I was sat nice. filing in a bank at the age of 23, I think. <laughs> How Sam would you Warburton have was leading the <laughs> Wales team to within inches of the Rugby World Cup. <laughs> How do you think you would have gone in that situation? What? In, if, in you, if, you were, cause if you were suddenly dropped in to Captain Wales out of nowhere. Yeah, that's it. Right. In the sort of cinematic universe of this podcast, what we'll say happens is Wales progressed to the semi-finals. Sam yeah. Warburton has gone down injured. <laughs> they have called in fresh number seven, young Chris Corcoran, to come yeah. in and lead the team straight from out of the squad. How do you approach this? Well, I definitely wouldn't have done a tip tackle. Okay, that's a good start. Good start, yeah. And and on that basis, I think we'd have won the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine it. I, Can you, yeah. I cannot imagine being that age and having that responsibility, maturity enough to be able to to cope with that. That would, I mean, I would. I think I could probably bluff it for about thirty seconds, <laughs> and then and then probably just internally just. Uh, be a bit yeah, overwhelmed yeah. by it. I don't know. That's the thing. Yeah. Can't, yeah. I can't imagine doing that. Well, hang on. Let, let's break this down a bit, hypothetically. Am I as, in this hypothetical scenario, am I as talented as Robertson or am I myself? <laughs> That's what I was I was thinking. Like, if I Same was in that thing, situation, right? I wouldn't have made a tip tackle, but I wouldn't have made a tackle. Like, yeah, that's that's I, I wouldn't have been capable of ta- like, t- tip tackling. Yeah, like, there just, just would have been a try. They yeah. just would have kept going like, their seven's a bit shit. Like, yeah. Like... No, none of us in that circumstance would have contributed in any way. Is, <laughs> no. is, 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 so, so we are very much against. We are, we are on the side of, we're in the against column. We, we are in the negative column here uh, exclusively. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just picturing Dan Lydia looking over you when the scrum's packing down, just blowing. She's going, Who's this fella? Welcome <laughs> <laughs> to Warby. Yeah. It was a hell yeah. of a chocolate bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't imagine do it. I think if you've, I think you can only imagine that if you have gradually built up and mm. got used to being extremely talented and being yeah. extreme and, and being used to being in those scenarios, yeah. you know. And so that's why it's sort of impossible to imagine right yeah. now. Yeah, and having captain the world's under twenties and so on before that and so exactly. on all helps and you know it all builds yeah. that up and there's something actually in that you look at that and I, I can't remember if I've made this point on podcast before of just like the amount of that Wales team who came, who won the Six Nations Grand yeah. Slam in 2008 which was you know until a couple of years ago the last time they'd won yeah. but it's you know Halfpenny John Davis. Um, now there's I mean, less of them when I'm looking at this yeah, than I there was. You have like the uh, likes of Tipperick and Reese Webb who came into the team as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, so, there's less of them than I thought there were, but there yeah, we go. Still. Um, Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. 
Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. But, right, here's the thing. Speaking of people doing, you know, what, what they always see their heroes doing, wanting to fulfill that. Uh, yeah. A couple of minutes into the second half, Hugh Bennett does a dive pass. How great is that? <laughs> it was More like him, Phil wasn't Bennett. It? Yeah. I, I saw that and I thought, was that Hugh Bennett? No, it couldn't have been. That's amazing. Hugh it's, Bennett had one of the games of his life. He was phenomenal. Game. And this this whole tournament, he was just a different player, wasn't he? Yeah. We sort of touched upon this in the South Africa episode, but he was just a completely different player to what we're used to. And uh, as I say, like, I, I'll hold my hands up. I had no faith in uh, in Hugh Bennett going to this tournament. When Hibbard and Matthew Reese pulled that injury, I thought we're screwed in terms of a hooker. And he was absolutely monumental all tournament. Is that yeah. what had happened again? Mm. That's It's really interesting to come at it kind of cold, not realising what was yeah. going on before. I hadn't yeah. realised that we'd lost those two. So they were our first two ch- first choice yeah. hookers, yeah. were they? Ah, and yet you watch Hugh Bennett in this game, and I've watched it from the perspective of thinking, yes, of course, he's playing really well, because he went yeah. on, embedded himself, and had a, a, yeah. a really good Wales career. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. How many caps did he had, roughly? Is, it was oh. this... No, it was sort of sec because he'd had a, he basically had a year of poor form leading into this. And he'd ah, kind right, of fallen okay. down, down in the pecking order. Yeah. Um, so he was, he hadn't been playing well. He'd lost like the starting shit at the Ospreys even. And it, wow. yeah, kind of fallen down to to sort of third or fourth choice and then really establish himself, you know. Yeah, and then really, he also had, yeah. like a couple of weeks before this, Ken Owens winning his first cap as a youngster yeah. against Namibia. So yeah, so there's this sort of, there's a lot of, you know, like would, if Matthew Reese hadn't got injured, would Sam Warburton have been captain? That's another question mark, but it absolutely worked out for the better. Yeah, yeah. Ben ended on fifty-one caps to answer your question, so he went for I think a campaign after this World Cup, and then retired and went to France for a bit. Ah, terrific player, terrific player. Yeah, I reflect really well on him as a Wales player now after this tournament and how great he was. And obviously, he's he's done great work since with the strength and conditioning work in in the national team. And yeah, I think he's just really well respected. Yeah. So. There's one name that I don't think we've mentioned that kind of feels like a particularly big elephant in the room that is big, sexy himself, Mr. Mike Phillips. Yes. Who you kind of can't talk about this game without mentioning it. Yeah. He kicks him well. It. Yeah, he kicks well. And he certainly, like, the thing is, with every big game Mike Phillips played, you know that there was some chat that you don't hear on the ref line oh, yeah. that's going off. You know? <laughs> yeah. And you can always rely on him. You, you know that he was, you know, getting rough with the Irish back. Especially well against Ronan O'Gara. Yeah. Oh, of course. They had a lot of history, didn't they? So, yeah, no. And I think Phillips against O'Gara is one of those matchups that you always cherish, no matter <laughs> at what level it comes. Yeah, I and because the, the previous Six Nations had been the try where he'd scored with the ball that he wasn't supposed to yeah, be able to score yeah. with that same ball. It was the wrong ball controversy, wasn't it? And that was against yeah, Ireland. Yeah. And there was always that kind of uh, edge, isn't there, between this generation of, of Wales Island players mm. who always felt that there was that kind of going on. But his, I guess his try, though, was the game-breaker. Mm, that yeah. was... Because it was 10-all then. Mm. And... 
you know, it wouldn't take much for there to have been a momentum shift and it wouldn't have taken much for Ireland to suddenly have done something and then got on top. Yeah. So the fact that he scored what was a moment of inspiration, it was a brilliant little mm. score, that, wasn't it? Because all the Welsh players had sort of gone and set themselves up. And he ju- I think, and I don't think I'm making this up, I think he just had a little peep. He just had a little yeah, yeah. look out of the corner of his eye. He sussed it out and then did that kind of thing. Okay, we're still going to go right. And then scooped it up and scored what was a brilliant, brilliant opportunist yeah. try. And, and such a lovely finish as well. Yeah. In that kind so, of like mid-air thing. Not many players were scored in tries like that now. I mean, no. the, the, mm. it's a skill, I think, that they, you know, have, have act, actively trained for. I mean, you know, yeah. Louis Louis Samit's tries and finishes, mm. so often he's heading out on that angle, knowing that he's yeah. going to dive and place it back in. Yeah. I mean, that's a skill that you, you certainly see in touch rugby, yeah. at an international yeah, yeah. level for uh, that's how they score loads of tries mm. and, rugby and then you saw well. and rugby league yeah you see rug, rugby league loads and you can see that those the players have learned how to do it but at the time not many people did scored like that mm. and so that finish by him was phenomenal they they mention it in the commentary here and they still occasionally do it which always annoys me because it's now a long time since but they'd only just change the laws so that touching the corner flag is no longer out um, right. so they changed that about two years before this World Cup so I guess players are still getting used to that. Whereas you look at someone like Lotharie Samet, who has, that's been the case since he's been playing contact rugby, basically, you know, since he's been sort of 11 or 12, probably. Actually yeah. younger than that, maybe. Yeah, since he was yeah. probably nine or 10. That's always been the case for him. So I suppose he's just grown up with that in, yes. in his mind. Yeah, yeah. As that's yeah. his ref- reference point. You, know, you do that. You go for those finishes, yeah. as Phillips does. I think as when you mentioned earlier that that little peek he has the blind side. Mm. I think at that point everyone in Wales probably knows he's about to snipe for that because he <laughs> loved those. And anybody outside of Wales will think, oh, he's going to just go to the open side again. But it's a really ballsy play for him to run yeah, down the blind yeah. side there because yeah. you know five times out of ten he's going to touch there. Mm. But I love yeah. that little like because he turns his head ever so slightly for a moment and then looks yeah. straight back and you know as normal, knowing yeah. what he's going to do. Yeah, and it's the. <laughs> As you say, there's enough for you to, especially watching it back, notice it and know it's coming. That's yeah. it. At the time, if you're an island player, you're not paying attention to that. You know, you're just sure. used to scrum of looking both ways before he goes. It but he makes such a look meal out of Darcy not looking. And yeah, think, yeah, that's quite poor defence, isn't it? I'm also going to quickly explain uh, my memory of this try as it happened when. Oh yeah. When we watched this live, so this game was about what five six in the I morning. Was, I think it was like six a.m. Yeah. Yeah, off. yeah. So by this point, we're in the second half. It's maybe just turned seven in the morning. Mm. And um, at this point, uh, me and Robbie had a dog who was who was quite yes. old and quite ill, and um, he was he was whinnying quite a lot. So my mum had to go and take him into the garden to go for a wee because he wasn't very capable of Aww. doing it on his own legs at this point. Yeah. Bless him. And then uh, she'd gone out into the garden and heard this eruption from inside, <laughs> and then just kind of we heard the back door closing, going, "Has Mike Phillips just scored?" <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that's amazing. I remember coming yeah. back in in a coat and seeing like the replay. I was like, you know, seeing the conversion <laughs> being flying up. through the air. Yeah. yeah, not him in his coat. That'd be different if he's put on his dog walking coat. Yeah. yeah, so th- there's my memory of that try. It involves the dog, my mum, <laughs> and Mike Phillips. Phillips. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but she knew what, so she'd assumed that it was, it would have been Mike Phillips getting that response from you guys. She, she, I think made she that just guess. heard. I think she just heard us shouting Mike Phillips's name. Ah, fair enough. Right, right. That would have been sort of telekinetic if she 
like God, some sort of rugby right. savant because if it is she should be doing this podcast <laughs> oh yes. yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, we anyway. come on before yeah <laughs> um, but the thing is at that point i was so anti mike phillips that if i was shouting mike phillips's name you know he'd scored a try <laughs> <laughs> why because you what what was your what was your issue i, I just for some reason was as, it as, as tan a, and stuff as a young man into <laughs> rugby, I was very just sort of like, oh, can't we play somebody who uh, who gets the ball away a bit quicker without realising okay. that there's a lot more to it than that, that he's got an excellent kicking game, he's great defensively and so on. So I just yeah. had this fixation, like this incredible hyper fixation on Dwayne Peel and the fact that he could pass at 90 miles an hour. And I was yeah. watching YouTube videos and passing against posts and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's true. But I, I think maybe, um, no, you're right. It's just... You know, he's got so much. It was interesting watching him back, mm. having not seen him play for ages, and you realise mm. what a physical yeah, yeah. and and he's really quick, just like what a threat a he demon, is around yeah. uh, around the scrums and the and, and the malls. Yeah. Mm. yeah, and when people talk about players like you know Antoine Dupont or Reese Webb or someone being physical threats nowadays, you go no, like compared to Mike Phillips, watching no, him true. back. He yeah. was, you know, the cliche was always he's like an extra flanker, but he was the build and size of a flanker. Yeah. But yeah. he was an international caliber scrum half. And yeah, it did absolutely. come at the expense of some other things, but it was worth sure. it ultimately. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. there's something that, so it's him that just about, the Kiefer was great finish. From a couple of angles, it looks like he might be in touch. He's clearly not on you know, yeah. from others. Uh, but it's Mike Phillips trying to make the cover tackle. Right. And he looks so pissed off when that try is given. And then you can see it in that play. Uh, and so that try is the next passage of play following that. Um, it's almost a direct response. And Phillips looks so, so ah. angry for about five minutes. Yeah, every right. time he picks a ball up, like he's throwing it in sheer anger at his teammate and he looks <laughs> fuming. And then eventually when he finishes it, he does that thing. He just throws the ball at the floor and screams. And then Falata looks slightly alarmed behind him. Yes, yes, yes. He was in that mindset of just needing to grab it by the scruff. Yeah, and yeah. do it himself. There is some, that. I mean, that takes real. It, it's interesting, isn't it? That kind of like sports psychology and that personality and how how personalities are different because mm. he, you could, yeah, you could see that kind of the red mist kind of uh, of, of determination to think, fuck this, <laughs> yeah. Right, I'm gonna have to. Right, I'm gonna have to do it, and then and then just does it and has yeah. that kind of confidence to see. just do it. If the amount it had been of Sean O'Brien doing that, it would have been a fuck, yeah. and he never yeah. would have finished. He would have left That's the right. stadium before. No, it was Heasley. It was Heasley who did it. <laughs> the it amount of times, though, you've seen Mike Phillips get into that mood and end up having a shocker and getting sent off yeah. and just getting in scraps and stuff. Sure, that it really can go either way. And I feel like it was great that he managed to just perfectly channel that. And that's just the perfect thing Absolutely. you want from just a Test match demon. Yeah, that's Absolutely. what wins Test matches, isn't it? You know, it's yeah. that kind of just sheer turning it on for yeah. key passages. And of course, um, just after this, you know, Ronan O'Gara does a pretty shoddy pass and gets subbed off pretty much immediately. And Johnny Sexton yeah. comes on and you're starting to think, you know, Sexton's a hell of an impact sub to bring on. Mm. And Owen Redden comes on with him and really speeds things Redden's up. Redden's excellent. Yeah. Redden's very so good, good. comes on. And it's it's a it's a really inspired substitution, changing both of those halfbacks. Mm. I suppose it's going from the Munster halfbacks to the Leinster halfbacks. Yeah. And they just really go up tempo. And that's when Ireland look at their most threatening, ironically. The game the is weirdly tenser mm. at twenty two ten than it was at fifteen ten. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, we should probably touch upon how it became oh, yeah. 2210, sure. okay. shouldn't we? So there's there's a point where Wales have gone through the phases a little bit. And if I'm honest, I didn't think it looked like... like when I saw Priestland swinging round with Foxy, mm. that was, I, I went, oh, that's where this happens, rather than, <laughs> oh, this is promising, you know, Wales look like they're going to score. But, you know, Priestland gets it sort of in the pocket and gives Jonathan Davis loads of time on the ball and he just sort of scoops around Key and Healy. Again, mm, it looks yeah. like quite poor defence, but... What? So Ireland go for a choke tackle on Jamie Roberts and they try to hold him up and they commit so many men there. Then none of them get back up to their feet that when the ball's playable, they're men short and they've got Keen Healy defending essentially in, in the centre position. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> Earls and Healy are both looking at John Davis and they both go, your man, and just <laughs> let him slide right through. Yeah. And what, and what, what Jonathan Davis does that you that it's really easy to miss and not appreciate because at his best he he always, he takes the ball and he looks like he just runs kind of in third gear mm. not really going flat out and just kind of runs straight and then yeah. some you know kind of ghosts through running straight scores a try but actually if you it, what he does so brilliantly in in this score is he he, he fixes Kean Healy mm. with a tiny little tiny little inside step mm. that just sets Kean Healy back, you know, like half a foot, which for a prop in the midfield at that point yeah. is enough. And and then he he just blasts past him, and then he's got the momentum, and then he just hands hands off a couple of people but it is so because he doesn't just try to use his pace that's the thing because yeah. the, the temptation for a, a center is just to try and gas a prop but yeah. he doesn't he just fixes him that little bit yeah yeah and just sets it, and then he just stops it and then he kind of goes on his outside he's brilliant at that he's, he's, yeah. and, he, and you miss it you can miss that you can miss it it's a really yeah. good point I, I think he almost yeah I think he almost tempts the outside Irish backs to think Healy's got him covered. I think Absolutely. he's got a really good that's point what he does. That, that they all think, oh, that's fine. We don't need to mark him. That's and then suddenly it's too late. Yeah. So yeah. By, fi- by fixing on the inside, just that, just that nudge, yeah. it fixes Healy and it makes Earls, who's marking on the outside, assume, assume that he's Healy's man. And then, uh, and then Earls just shifts out because then, then he's mm. creeping out, you know, he, he's creeping out to, to, to mark the really threat that will come. Yeah. On the outside. But it, it is, it's a really brilliant little, and it makes he makes it look so easy. Yeah, yeah. which is another you know incredible talent of a player playing at the height of his powers is when yeah. they make all uh, stuff look so easy. I have to say, I, you feel in retrospect, not at the time, you've got to feel sorry for Kean Healy because mm. he he does that. He, he he has Jonathan Davis run around him, and then it's only about five minutes later he gets tuned in the scrum by Adam Jones yeah. and then gives a penalty away. And it's like those, just those two tiny things that are completely unfairly yeah. like associated with one player because yeah, it's yeah. a whole team effort and there's 30 guys running around on the pitch. But, oh God, I bet he was absolutely <laughs> pissed off that they're both so close and yet led to important scores. And that's the thing, that moments together build a narrative, don't they? That if you'd yeah, done yeah. them at either end of the game, people would have forgotten about them. People yeah. would have just put them to one side. But at the end, and going like, oh, Healy's lost us this game because he's made two mistakes in quite close yeah. succession. 
Yeah, that's like um, shit media. That's like really, really shit journalism making kind of sure. like headlines, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, you know, yeah. And and it, and you see it time after time, and then they're looking for stories, and it's really unfair. And and I guess it's effectively what we've just done. We're bringing light back. <laughs> we're bringing light back to it, but but hopefully it's within the context that we're saying that uh, we appreciate it and we're empathetic. Yeah, because sure. I, you know, you've been scrummaging your ass off for like yeah. sixty-five minutes or whatever it was. Then you found yourself in midfield, and then you've got another scrum. I mean, boy, oh boy! It, uh, you know, modern day props. It's. Ju- I mean, who who would want to do it? I know. Yeah, I mean, I Geffen think- Jenkins, um, <laughs> who then yeah. wins that penalty with like two minutes to go, and has a moment of like, oh, he can do it. You know, like it's, yeah. he makes everything look so easy. That's um, true. There's another moment actually where Geffen throws a dummy and goes himself. And with anyone else throwing a dummy, usually you get that sense that it's either it's James Hawkins, it's just a natural instinct. Or with some players, you get that sense that like, you know, they're weighing up where the space is, you know, it's more space in front of me than next to the, in front of the guy I'm passing to or would be passing to. With Geffen, you get the sense he looked and went, no, I'm passing to shit and went himself instead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good old Geff. I was going to say, this probably brings us to the point where I feel like there's one passage of play where it feels like the nail in the coffin. It feels like the point that Wales have actually won this because mm. Ireland have a great passage of attack where O'Driscoll makes loads of space for Carney and Earls who have a great run down the left-hand side. And then they work in field and they have a few great phases with the forwards. And then Owen Redding has a tiny little snipe and oh, does yeah. a little offload over the top of a Welsh player. And yeah. Sean O'Brien has a run where you're convinced he's going to make it. I think yeah. it's Mike Phillips who brings him down. Uh, and Lydia and Halfpenny. And half penny, okay, make a brilliant tackle on mm. O'Brien because it was a great line by him. And any other day, you think he would score that. Yeah. And then it's Brian O'Driscoll, arguably the best player in the world at this point, goes over uh, as if he's rucking over and for some reason attempts to pick the ball up. And he, oh, he, he yeah. was never going to. And he fumbles it on the floor. Wales get the knock on. Adam Jones minces Keen Healy in the scrum and gets the penalty. Wales exit. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's one of those things that if O'Driscoll just stepped over the ball and left mm. it to Redden, the speed he was playing at, Ireland was certainly scoring on the left-hand side the mm. next phase. Mm. And it infuriates me. Because as I say, O'Driscoll was, I, I, I would wager, probably the best player in the world at this time in 2011 on, on top form. S- such a world-class talisman making a, a mistake that big in such a massive game just feels criminal. On such small margins, that's yeah. the thing, isn't it? You know, that they it was late in the game, you know, but that was the one chance that they had to keep themselves in it. Mm, yeah. And the a minuscule knock-on just by making yeah. that split-second decision of thinking, I'm going to pick and go myself, or should I just get over it? On such tiny margins, just yeah. such big results hang don't they yeah. if you're within seven points of wales with five minutes to go as you know at this point you're well within the game aren't you mm. is yeah. that all it was were they just within seven no if, if it scored they would have been oh i see what you mean yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely yeah um yeah there's the similar moment in the first half where ireland go for an attack that i think it's like 12 14 phases or something like really long time uh warburton turns it over because of course um <laughs> and then they pass back to heart to um Breesland, who clears 50 meters and from the lineup, then Alwyn Jones goes from jumping, gets round the back, runs around and forces Murray to knock it on. Mm. I like, guess right up in his face. Yes. 
And that's a 50 metre net gain from what looked like, you know, like Justin Marshall was shouting about. It was that was the moment you felt Justin Marshall's brain turn in what he was expecting, because he was sort of when they cleared it, he was talking about, God, they're so under the pump there. You know, Wales, God, they're so lucky to survive. They're going to crack soon. And then from the other wind knock on, he goes, you know, Wales are putting so much pressure on Ireland. They're really on (laughs) top here. Their defence looks like they're completely on top of them. And you could kind of feel that momentum swing as Alan Wynn gets in his face. Alan Wynn playing his second World Cup, you know, of of course, 26. There was also a point where uh, O'Callaghan and O'Connell were having a little huddle pre-line out and Alan Wynn did his thing where he goes in and starts listening to them (laughs) and has a bit of a push and shove with O'Callaghan, which is iconic. I I saw that. You'd love to know, wouldn't you? You'd love to know what that little little chat, that little exchange was. Yeah. When a red shirt, it's the Lions. You're playing for the Lions today. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's, it's just one of those things that Alan Wynn will always do and it's always great. But those last sort of 10 minutes or so, after that try opportunity had gone from O'Driscoll, you kind of sensed Ireland did look a lot more like a team who were chasing the game. Mm. And yeah. there's one point where they tried to play out the 22 and Tommy Bowe runs a phenomenal oh, angle. Yeah. Uh, he's mm. such a good line and he does knock it on. And you feel like, fair play to him going for the gamble, you know. Mm. They took a, a really difficult pass to take, but if he does take it, he's going straight through the gap. And, you know, one of the best finishers in the world, if not the best at this time. Yeah. Um, you'd fancy him to finish that and go go the length. So fair play to Ireland for, for rolling the dice there in their yeah. own 22 and thinking, yeah. let's but, give Bo a run. Uh, but again, it it... It brings it back to what I think was the story of the game, which was probably Welsh defence. Mm, I yes. think that well, any way you cut it, the Welsh defence was the thing that was the predominant factor yeah. in this game because Bo didn't break through, you know, mm. and they only yeah. broke through uh, once and when they did, they looked really threatening. And apart from that, the Welsh defence was relentless. And that's got to be a nod. I mean, that's just, you know, that's Sean Edwards's influence. You could see it in that performance, couldn't you? That's mm, it. Yeah. You could see their, their coached defence in that performance because they, they're both in their structured defence, but in their scramble defence as well. Yeah, yeah. It, there's a thing Wayne Pivak said in the autumn that, you can tell a lot about team basically in how their scramble defense is and right. you know how they look in defense. And he said that like, the thing he wasn't that worried about it because he knew they were sc- their scramble defense was good, even if everything else was off. And yes. so like, they were working as a team. It was just things weren't quite clicking rather than being a fundamental problem. Ah, um, yes. Yes. And so I think there's something in that. There's something in that idea that, that because they were scrambling well, you know, there's that kind of, you get a sense of team spirit and you get a sense of them being together, but also they're yeah. organised and they're really working in that professionalism. And he said, there's so much, this Welsh team was typified by the defence. It was, that was who they were. Um, yeah. They were, I mean, they kind of turned themselves into for this World Cup anyway, the best defensive team in, in the tournament. Uh, you know, they made it so hard for you to play against. Um, obviously it's a few years later, but it's the thing that Razi Erasmus said that, that 2019 Wales team from the semi-final was the hardest team he's ever had to coach against at any level. Um, ah. Just because he said that there sort of wasn't a weak spot. Like they were yeah. just really aggressive and in your face, but they were just sensible and they didn't take needless risks. And there was yeah. nothing you could exploit about them, you know, in the way other teams might've had more strengths, but there was nothing you could target with Wales. Ah, and so you kind of got that sense in this team here, you know, as a kind yeah, of you... prototype years earlier. Because uh, uh, scramble is, is attitude. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing, and it's like so. So in in touch rugby, much much simpler game, mm. but 
if you play a squeeze defense where you're chasing out, so it's like nothing nothing goes outside you, mm, right? Then so it's your responsibility is your outside shoulder. So you're reliant heavily on the your inside guy. Mm. And what you tend to see playing touch is mm. that maybe you're so you're marking your man, you're communicating with your outside guy, shouting, I've got your inside shoulder. You probably have got someone inside you, but the weak link becomes the man inside them. Mm. And so often that if that if those guys don't chase across, that's ultimately where in yeah, yeah. touch you end up scoring. And you see it in uh in 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 union the same. If you've got if there's like a shift and people are marking and chasing out, but the chase across isn't quick enough, which is attitude, or yeah. people aren't getting back into position quick enough then that's where the gaps are. And in yeah. this whale, and, and this whale's performance looked like they were kind of uh, almost like an elastic band. You know what I mean? They're kind of, mm. they were sort of joined up. So it's like a wave. Yeah. So yeah. When, when, you know, whatever the action was, the defense was, everyone else was slotting back in, in that kind of flow. So there was no real dog legs, really. There was no opportunities. Mm. And the chase from two defenders in, was strong so that yeah, if you're an, yeah. if you're on the attacking side you're looking up and you're seeing nothing you're yeah. scanning across and seeing nothing and that's why like we said earlier then island just ran out of energy yeah but it's it, it's attitude that gets you to get in the right places just just run till you're sick it's that kind of you can see it and you can see them playing for each other can't you yeah oh absolutely uh, yeah no, no, that's that's such a, a well put thing about it. and it totally applies to how Wales ended up win this game yeah, yeah and even with the last couple of minutes you know you had the likes of Tommy Bow and Brian O'Driscoll who were really threatening and putting in good kicks and so on Brian O'Driscoll plays so well yeah he's yeah. so good in this game so good mm. so good and like the likes of Falatau who yeah, you can yeah. still rely on these days chasing back you know um, mm. and Halfpenny covering those kicks that they were putting in with just minutes to go seconds left on the clock and even though Wales knew they had that 12 point cushion they knew that they couldn't afford to let anything slip because yeah, if yeah. nothing else it puts a target on the back head of the semi-final you know so yeah no I, I think that's that's so well put about how this Welsh team ultimately went from a team who play well but don't quite make it to the top and a team who win a big World Cup quarterfinal. You just mentioned Falatau. There was a lovely moment where he chased back. I don't know, it's only about six or seven minutes to go till the end of the game. And he chases back and Ireland have chased him. So he's kind of, and he's a bit isolated. So then he takes it on himself and he sort of runs it out a bit and he sort of runs into traffic. And the commentators go, oh, this looks like trouble. And, you know, at Fallatown, it looks like he's going to turn this over. There's a really good chance. And then the Welsh players get back in time and then the ball comes out and it's fine. It's made, it makes me yeah, realise yeah. how much I have come to take for granted that whenever Fallatown does anything, <laughs> yes. it's always fine. It's all, yeah, yeah. It's always going to be okay. Because things to come he's, in it. he's so good. And he's so makes such brilliant decisions. It's like if he's on the ball or involved, it's going to be okay. Yeah, and this yeah. was like a young Falatau, you know. So no one knew that this is kind of how good he was because yeah. he, he looks so fresh faced, doesn't he? In in the lineup yeah. at the beginning in the anthems, doing his thing that we're now seeing a decade later. Yeah. Doing it so so that we now got used to it and take it for granted. But back then it was like, oh my god, oh no, it's fine, it's fine, <laughs> oh, it's yeah. all okay, it's going to be fine. 
the kid with the freshly trimmed afro, uh, who was at the time, of course. <laughs> the, the hill I've been dying on for two years, Fallotown has to start a number eight for for the Lions. Mm. Uh, and even when Billy Vanderpoel was on top form, I was like, no, it has to, you know. And that, now that looks savantish, to, you know, to mention that again. Now I'm, I, I look, yeah. That, so 100%. On the, on the the back row thing, uh, I want to mention one stat, which is that, so Wales had more ball in Ireland. And yet, Dan Lydiot made 24 tackles. <laughs> That's insane. Wow. So as a comparison, the next close was Sam Warburton on 16. Was he uh, tackling his own players? or <laughs> He must have been. He must have been. <laughs> Someone was chopping Jamie Roberts, and I'm not sure who. <laughs> like, Ireland's top tackle was Stephen Ferris on 12. Dan Liddy made double that. That's insane. I, I also heard the commentators say that Charteris made 16 tackles in 38 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, he goes off at half-time and made 16 tackles. I'm not surprised he went off at half-time. <laughs> yeah. That's unbelievable, isn't it? To be fair, he can probably just like, he can reach half the pitch when he just stretches out slightly. <laughs> so he doesn't yeah, need to yeah. go far, you know? Like he can, he doesn't need to play a blitz defence and run up. He just puts his arms out. I was, loved Charteris. I was a huge oh. fan of Luke Charteris as a player because all of a sudden, I know it was we're digressing, sorry. But, no, 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 uh, he, 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 he guaranteed line-out ball. Just yes. the relief. Of after years of the lineup being, you know, a bit sketchy, Wales's lineup feels like it's it's always a bit sketchy. Mm. But when he was picked, he guaranteed lineup ball because he was just so massive. And then it's like, yeah. but he wasn't someone who just guaranteed lineup ball. He was then everywhere else mm. tackling, hitting yeah. rucks, and you know, do, doing all the other bit. Like the effort it must take to get down from yeah. six foot 10 or 11 to make a tackle. I mean, yeah. if he's making 16 tackles, really, he's doubling the effort to make a tackle from that yeah. high down. Yeah, so he's, yeah. making 30, he's making 32 tackles in 18 minutes, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> you know, because if, if, you're, if, if you're Reese Priestland or you're, 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 uh, you're half penny, it's much easier to make a tackle from that height. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's I mean, a fun thing about Luke Charteris. Mm-hmm. He once hugged me, and it took me about 20 minutes to get out of the tangle of arms and legs. That were, <laughs> you know, I think he wrapped around me three or four times. That was it. They counted as two tackles on his official stats yes. that day. It, <laughs> there was a lovely shot at the anthems as well. Did you notice as it panned across? And it went <laughs> halfpenny, Priestland, Charteris. It, it, like, like that. Classic. It's like the evolution of man. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking it's like that sketch of the two the two Ronnies and John Cleese in that. Oh, I yeah. I look down on him, I look up to him, and I know my place. It yes. was kind of it's like that comedy sketch. Yeah, spot on. Do we uh, do we have anything else? Or should we move on to the man of the match? Um, last thing is, oh yeah, yeah, go on. The ball was kicked out by none other than Hugh Bennett. The, yes, the ball went down from the line out. Mike Phillips gets over the ruck, and Hugh Bennett goes. I'm seeing this opportunity. I have a window of about three seconds in which I can p- pick the ball up and <laughs> kick it out, or I can forever hold my peace and forever <laughs> regret the fact I let Mike Phillips kick it out. And immediately, he does not hesitate. He picks the ball up and kicks it out himself in the World Cup quarterfinal. And I believe that was his profile picture on Twitter for about five years after that. Oh, <laughs> is it? That's brilliant. He then does the high knees dance. Yes, which there, is incredible. Sort of runs along with his knees impossibly high heroic stuff <laughs> yeah. love it uh, a truly iconic moment at this world cup yeah I've oh got, i've yeah. got one go thing on. Go oh on. yeah go on go on please there was 
at four minutes ish, hmm. Sam Warburton nearly tip tackles Ogara. Yes, yes, yes. And he he only doesn't tip tackle him because Charteris joins in the tackle hmm. and kind of flattens out the momentum. And in that kind of bullshit way that journalists construct narratives like we've already been talking about, isn't it interesting, though, that then it's like a ghost of or a precursor mm. to then what happened in the next game, which was yeah, yeah. just that habit of tackling. You, you, you know, it, was, it wasn't an absolute one-off against France. It wasn't so very long ago. You were allowed to tackle people yeah. and pick them up and, and sort of dump them. And it was this. It was still, I think, in his muscle memory. Do you think? Do you see? Yeah, do you yeah, know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, I think because in that game there was a chance that if if Chandris hadn't been there, yeah. his feet would have come up. His feet would have come up, and there's mm. a really good chance that that could have been trouble for Wales in this game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Ogara's sort of like his lower half was so sort of skinny compared to Warburton's shoulders. You know <laughs> that that impact yeah. basically just carried Ogara the whole way. Yeah, well, similar exactly. to Van Sinclair as well. Yeah, and Van Sinclair, that 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 was the problem that he's hitting people, expecting them to be forwards, and the momentum yeah. is then uh, because they're smaller players. Could be yeah, that's a really there. interesting point. I mm. I think that moment is funny in and of itself, though. Watched and like partly just because seeing Ronan Ogara get hurt is funny. It's just you know I can't justify it. I can't. I don't, it's not nice, but it kind of is. <laughs> And my 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 favorite that I I feel like that's uh, that that's that's harsh to wish harm on. Uh, oh on sure, player. sure. I wouldn't How... wish it on him, but I I will enjoy <laughs> you when enjoy it him getting it. <laughs> yeah, but it, my my equivalent is is uh, two thousand and five Grand Slam where mm. Gethin Jenkins yes! charges yes, down his kick, uh, which was my all time favorite Six Nations moment ever mm. of Gethin Jenkins's try. Because it was Ogara who kicked it, and it yeah. was Gethin Jenkins who charged his kick down, and then out sprinted him at the end. Yeah, and then threw it. the ball at so, him as a celebration. Of and course, then, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I empathise. I empathise with what yeah. you're saying in slightly oh, different context. There's yes. one angle where you can see Ogara's face, and he sort of looks up, sees their space in front, and it's like you know he sees the door slightly ajar and goes, "I'm just gonna just have a go here." And the door opens all the way, and Sam Warburton's there behind it, waiting for him, <laughs> and he just yeah. smashes him. You know, if if only if only he was there to someone, if 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 only you were there to uh, only bloody blow the door off. Um because of the Italian job thing from the start. Um, uh. I saw the joke in my head and I went, I can't quite get this to work, but I'm not a million miles away. It's, it's come full circle. Robbie, we're talking to a real comedian here. <laughs> don't don't be too punchline. harsh, Will. The, the, the trick is, is that because it sounds like you're, you're, you're playing all the right words, just not in the right order there, mate. I think that's, <laughs> that, that's all that was the problem there. You're fine. <laughs> I was going to say, don't be too harsh because I won't talk to you till Christmas. <laughs> I don't think you will anyway, mate. No, I won't. I'll, I won't. I'll turn up at the table and I'll uh, exclusively my, have my assistant eat my dinner for me. <laughs> <laughs> You'll pop your cracker with yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as I would uh, most of the time anyway. That's just what I do. That sounds like a euphemism. Let's move on. Uh, Man of the match and <laughs> dick of the day. <laughs> well, before any of us head off to pop our crackers by ourselves. So uh, should we start with Man of the match? Uh, will, okay. do you want to begin? Sure. Uh, I think, firstly, I'll just touch upon a couple of the Irish players. Yeah, yeah. I think 
Um, Paul O'Connell, I think, had a great game. I think we're not really touched upon how mm. good he was and just always is. Yeah, you know, I, I think Tom, Tommy Bow constantly a threat. I think yeah. Sean O'Brien as well is was just monumental. I think that his work rate and just the amount of people he could batter was phenomenal. Yeah. I think for Wales, I think obviously Sam Warburton is one that stands up for the amount of just insane, you know, on the line turnovers that he comes up with every time there's a big occasion. Lee Halfpenny, I suppose, is probably the obvious one for mm. the amount of really punishing kicks O'Gara put in for him, and he just handled so sublimely. But I think I've, I've not mentioned it too much how brilliant. Reese Priestland was, but he's my man of the match because I think, mm-hmm. again, playing against one of the best kicking tens in the world, the amount of pressure he might, he had to relieve, and that he wouldn't just relieve it, but he turned him into good attacking opportunities. I think he kicked sublimely, so he's my man of the match. Yeah, Chris Corky, do you? Uh, well, Jamie Roberts would be my man of the match. Yeah, <laughs> because not not that surprising really, and it's interesting actually because we haven't mentioned him. No. Very no. much at all. And yet, like the note I jotted down was, again, at the peak of his powers, someone who just transcends the moment. You know when you're watching <laughs> games and there's a player that just transcends the moment? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like everything that they do is brilliant. Falatau's kind of grown into that person yeah. for for me. Well, this game was, Jamie Roberts was like that because, yeah. wasn't it? Every single time he got the ball, he made yards. You know, he was every single tackle he made was rock solid. There was an up and under. He went and he went and got. Um, hmm. He he had a head on head clash with Earls and didn't notice. <laughs> and Earls <laughs> terrible medical off. student, really. Hey, <laughs> terrible medical student, really. Like he should notice where his head is. There's a there's the story, isn't it? I don't think it's apocryphal. I think I think he's he's told it himself that mm. when he fractured his skull against mm. Australia, wasn't yeah. it? That against um, Sterling oh, yeah, Sterling Mortlock. That he only realised that he'd fractured his skull because he could taste the the fluid. Yes. Oh my god. Yeah. The, yeah. The, what it, what it, the, the, I can't remember the name of the brain fluid. Brain fluid. There we are. I'm not a doctor, <laughs> but, he, but he could taste brain fluid at the back of his throat and went, "Oh shit! I better go off." And he'd fractured his skull. He played for about six minutes. Yeah. I think his, his head's made a, like just like a brick. Anyway, so for me, um, I think without that, uh, without him being so dominant in the centre, mm. then it might have been a, a slightly different game because, you know, you attract a lot of attention as well when you're playing that well. And then he off the back of 2009 as well, you attract a lot of attention, which means then that Jonathan Davis can sort of nip mm. through for those sort of scores yeah. and maybe O'Driscoll isn't quite as dominant as he should be and Darcy who was you know world class didn't really feature at all I mean he uh, just mm. had a very quiet game so I would say Jamie Roberts Perfect. yeah great yeah. call he's like Roberts is you say his fingerprints are all over that that opening Shane Williams try but like it, his whole mm. hand has gone through whatever the metaphorical object is. Yeah, like it's not just <laughs> yeah. fingerprint at that point. Like he's wrecked everything in his sight. So true. He does two things, doesn't he? He catches, is it the upper, is it an up and he under? He catches the up and under, yeah. And I think there's two and, carries as well. That yeah, are both... Two carries, yeah. 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 yeah um, and he took out O'Callaghan as well. He levels yes, O'Callaghan. Of course. Who doesn't, who, who sort of struggles to, uh, you know, get up. So he's kind of just like a human bowling ball, isn't he? Just sort mm. of scattering people everywhere. And that's, so not only does he contribute directly, He's contributing indirectly because yeah, yeah. of the attention that he's getting, and then the rest of the team can do stuff. You know? Yeah, 
Uh, and I think it's hard to argue with either Prieston or Roberts, you know, Mike Phillips as well. I think Brian O'Driscoll's brilliant for Ireland. Tommy Burke yeah. plays very well as well. Uh, but I for me, Keith Earls was great as well. Keith Earls is good. Graphic. Keith Earls played very well, good, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Doesn't he run? I love the way he runs. He runs like a human ball. <laughs> yes. Doesn't he? And like when he falls over, he's just like, it's like effortless forward rolls. He's just got such an unusual low centre of gravity way of hmm. running. And look, he's still playing and still playing yeah, really well. I mean, really what a well, career yeah. he's had. Keith Earls is just one of those players who's always going to be there, you know, just yeah. no one's going to notice it. He's just like, yeah. he's like that, that gagging cheers about the guy who's at the bar, you know, who's there before the pub was built. <laughs> like, he's like that. He's just always going to be there on the wing and no one's ever going to yeah. notice. He's going to be quietly great. Yeah. Quietly but, great. Yeah, yeah. Quietly great. Rock solid. Yeah. So, carry on, Robert. Um, no, so yeah, Sam Warburton, uh, man of the match for me. Um, I think any time, because so much of it was on the... Um, the Welsh defence and Ireland had quite a yeah. lot of threatening positions and every time it seemed to be Sam Warburton turned up and either slowed the ball down to a point in which it wasn't yeah. usable or turned the ball over or made you know key tackles like the one Ogari mentioned it was one of the like almost anyone in that Welsh team could have taken it and I think Sam Warburton and Mike Phillips both came up with and Jamie Roberts as well all had kind of big moments but I think if the yeah. defence won the game I think it's Sam Warburton for me that's well fair. yeah it's, well I don't know guys I just wonder on that basis, if mm. it's the defence that is the predominant thing that we are basing our man of the match on, then probably Dan Lydiot should get it because yeah. we didn't see him do anything and we haven't talked about him. We haven't mentioned him. There wasn't one single standout moment, which almost certainly means he was doing loads of absolutely <laughs> essential stuff. All yeah. really good like, point like Richard Hill or, you know, like these players, players that never yeah. get the credit. Yeah, Probably yeah. without Lydia playing, the Wales would have lost. So I'm going to, yeah. I'm throwing in a curveball like and that. I can't give any evidence to back it up. <laughs> but man of the match, Dan Lydia. And man of the match that. that won't stand up in a court of law. <laughs> yeah. uh, before we go on to Dick of the Day, there's um, one thing that I just want to highlight that was really wholesome was after the game when uh, they have the pundits, you know, Craig Doyle, Alan Quinlan and Alfie all stood together and they call Jamie Roberts over and Alfie gives him a massive hug and it's just the most wholesome thing you'll ever Aww. see. And Alfie then says Wales are going to go on and win the World Cup. Uh, and he's just absolutely Aww. buzzing, bless him. Aww, Alfie's amazing. man of the match. Yeah. So um, I'm. Yeah. Sorry. Just the, get them for Dick of the Day. Uh, I've got two sort of mentions for Dick of the Day. One is Declan Kidney, who at one point, I mean, you know, what he's done for London Irish since is just to be a standing item. Sure. But at one point, the camera cuts up to him and he's holding one notebook in one hand and the pen in the other. But then I notice he's actually got a second notebook underneath and he's trying to balance two notebooks on top of each other. Two like <laughs> little, like little ones. And he's trying to like write in one and in the other whilst trying to rest them on the same half of his hand. Right. And he had a table in front of him. <laughs> A great point. And on, and on that basis election. of stationary incompetence, <laughs> I think he probably deserves a nomination. Yeah. The other thing is just the drunk spider cam, who seems to have had, you know, started <laughs> early before the game, you know, like popped on the printer words had a few pints beforehand. And then whenever there's a scrum, it's just like drifting off in another direction. Like it's just going over to have a look at the crowd. You know, it's just heard someone shout from someone over. It's, oh, you just see my name. Just this, this spider cam seemed to have had quite a few before the game was just swaying and like calling its ex. That's a great, that's a good shout. Yeah. Can't fault that. <laughs> you got a dick of the day, Corky? I didn't, but I have thought of one and it's on. similar to 
squidges. Mm. So um, I think I would suggest the cameraman who he's lip runs past oh. for not for not panic, going with the moment, reacting and panning and going with his lip just so we could see the end of the swear word. That's a phenomenal shout. I love that. My nominations are basically, there's Bod for being the best player in the world and doing that pickup. It's like, what are you doing there? Come on. <laughs> there's Ronan O'Gara for, you know, getting nailed by Sam Warburton, which is just fun, you know. Fair um, enough. At one point, George North just runs into touch uh, and then kind of oh, realises yeah. what he's done and just kind of goes, oh, yeah, the touch line's there, isn't it? It does look like he's playing casual touch for a moment, then realises yeah. the World Cup <laughs> quarterfinal. Yeah, but frankly, it's got to be Jamie Heaslip for the fact that he, A, ran into touch, and then two minutes later, he runs into touch again <laughs> or, or gets carried into touch again. So it's going to be Jamie Heaslip for going over the touch line twice. Fair enough. Okay, thank you so much for doing that. Uh, I've had a wonderful time. It's been an absolute pleasure and a delight. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for, for joining us with this. Yeah, thank you. Obviously, as we've, we touched upon before, we start recording, we're both, you know, big fans of yours and we sort of grew up watching your stuff. And Robbie said before that this that the sort of stuff that you did was part of what inspired you to do the channel, right? Mm. So, um, yeah, so seeing no, stuff it's, that it's was funny pleasure. and different and so on, you know, yeah. about rugby. Oh, well, guys, my pleasure. And um, I'm really touched and chuffed that stuff I did from ages ago that I'd even forgot that I'd done. <laughs> has inspired you guys to to do what you're doing because um i think what you do is really great and it's really Thank funny you. and i was really um really touched when you said you felt like it given you momentum to find your voice in and amongst the rugby and and, and to do what mm. you do so um it's been a pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks a lot for asking me. <laughs> Cheers. No, thank you. Thank you for doing it. And thank you for um, all of it. Okay. I Do you have anything not... you want to plug or anything before oh, sorry, you yeah, go? Yeah. I don't have anything to plug. No, I don't. Not, okay. not, not as yet. Uh, so, no. That's Where can people some, find you on Some Twitter, new podcasts, or... but they're, because, they're, because they're in utero, it's not worth um, plugging them because I haven't quite got started on them. So I'm just going to say I've got nothing to plug and it's just yet. been a joy. <laughs> watch this space. <laughs> yeah, watch this space. Quick interjection as I don't think Corky heard Robbie's question there. He is on Twitter at Chris Corky. So that's Chris K-O-R-K-E-Y. Chris Corky on Twitter. All right. And also watch this space because we will be back next week when the game in question will be moving on to, and this is another delight, this is be fun. England against France in the quarterfinals. How did that one go? Um, England didn't batter France. We'll say that much. Huh. That's that's the spoiler you're getting this week. Huh. All right. Well, well, thank you again for for both of you. You know, thank you both for being here. You know, that's it's right. always it's always a pleasure. Also, um, we have another very exciting guest next week on yes. the France game. Yes, all being well, we have another guest lined up for that. It should be very exciting, and we'll see you then. Thank you, everybody. Good night. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.